It is a scam when you don't allow everyone to operate on fair terms. We are the Robin Hoods of sports betting. We take something back from the rich bookies and enable our customers to beat them instead. G'day everyone, welcome to our live Q&A with Pro Sports Better Spanky. Please start sending your questions through for Spanky and I will get to them as soon as possible. But uh, first, thanks very much for coming on, mate, and giving up your time. Thank you so much for having me, Alex. Good stuff. Anytime, mate. Um, listen to, to countless podcasts and videos featuring yourself. Uh, you've got your own podcast, Be Better Betters, which yeah, highly recommend for anyone to go and listen to. Um, my first question is, I actually didn't mention to this, this to you before, but I don't think I've ever heard anyone ask you or you ever say why you're called Spanky. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, I used to, uh, uh, the, the, you know, I used to, my mom used to love the little rascals growing up and uh, I was getting into trouble. So uh, she was like one of her favorite, the rascals was Spanky. So that kind of <laughs> stuck, but uh, the Spanky name kind of carried on in the business because that was my password. So whenever I used to call in, uh, oh. my password was always Spanky. So, you know, I would call in one uh, 116 Spanky, what do you need Spanky? And uh, they would read me a line, and then when you, you know, when you confirm a play, you'd always give your account number and password to confirm the play. So it just, you know, I've been saying Spanky so much that it just started sticking, and then everybody in the business started saying that Spanky, Spanky, Spanky. So that's when it stuck. Yeah, nice, good stuff. Um, all right, questions will come through soon, I'm sure. But mate, for those who haven't, um, yeah heard of you before or haven't seen you before i'm sure most people have but yeah do you want to just maybe briefly explain kind of your approach to to sports betting um and yeah i'm sure i'll have a few questions surrounding that yeah so what, what i do is um uh, i'm a professional sports better over 20 years and um i've been doing it full time for over 18 years now um and uh you know i, I always try to say that i'm uh uh, computers, uh, uh, computer scientist to disguise as a sports better. I studied computer science and finance in school. I worked on Wall Street, um, got pretty good at coding, and I kind of tried to uh, utilize those same skills in the sports markets. I was always a fan of betting sports. I loved it. So I kind of uh, wrote programs to be able to look for discrepancies in the markets and look for different, um, you know, buy low and sell high type thing. And then, I'm, you know, I started middling and scalping and then doing arbitrage and started building my bankroll through the years. And then slowly but surely, I started building a reputation for myself. And um, I started getting more and more outs and I started making more and more money and, you know, um, knock on wood, everything's been great so far. And, uh, you know, I've, uh, I've, uh, had a, you know, pretty good career and, um, uh, you know, it's still fun for me and I still enjoy it. I still love it. So, um, you know, until, uh, that love dies down and until, uh, I can't win anymore, I'm going to keep rocking and rolling. Yeah. Nice, man. That's a great, uh, great summary. One of the questions I wanted to ask too was about you, you trade, I know you bet a lot of team news and stuff like that. Do you get people send, our team news to you or are you kind of you just kind of got your own you know i guess contacts over the years and you contact them yourself so team news is uh, is my camera off right now alex or no uh you might you are frozen but um oh, okay. yeah maybe i don't I know can what's still happening hear you. There. okay good um yeah i don't know what's happening there but uh um when it comes to teams you know, we, we have a lot, you know, before, back in the day, before the Twitter, before the social media, we would be able to, um, you know, we'd have to call up different teams and find out what happened with different practices. And to some extent, that still happens today. But, um, you know, a lot of the things now with social media and Twitter, you know, you, you have to, you're able to, to look for things. And we have, you know, robots and algorithms that analyze all this information to be able to pipe that mm -hmm. into us as fast as possible. It's all about speed and execution in this business. That's where we believe our edges. Um, you know, I, I think what we make up for intelligence, what we lack in intelligence, I should say we make up in speed. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I've ever heard of anyone that's got algorithms on Twitter and stuff like that to, to get 10 years. So that's, um, no, it's very interesting, mate. Um, few questions coming in now this one from Hunden billy he says how much would spanky pay to be able to play unlimited at fangil sportsbook uh well unlimited is um you know this if the sky's the limit 
you know, and and depends if, if I could play unlimited infinitely, you know, that would obviously I'd pay millions to do something like that where I would never be limited because it's just uh, I my, my uh, expected value just never just keep I just keep making money. But um, you know, I I, I FanDuel is, is is a place that I, I go in the front door. I know John Sheeran there, the director of trading. He lets me get a decent pop, although the decency has gone down a little bit. To be frank, um, you know, I'm I'm still limited. Um, but um, I'm still able to stick around and still be able to get a decent pop over there. I like those guys, and um, they're one of the few that, you know, let me play for a decent amount of money, and, um, you know, it's it's hard. In this business, you know, in order to, to get to the next level, you kind of uh, realize that it's not about winning and losing. Winning becomes trivial. It's about lasting. How long can you last in this business, and how long will the sports books continue to take your action, and how long will you be able – to uh to to stay alive and 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 be able to utilize your advantages and realize your advantages um and and to prosper that's the whole thing longevity is everything yeah uh your camera's turned off actually i don't know it's very weird we've been doing so well before (laughs) oh yeah i don't know why i I says disable camera and i I, it's uh it should be on i don't know what it is Uh, oh well maybe uh camera we were good right what happened here (laughs) who knows what's going tell on. me what do i do uh there should be like a little settings wheel at the bottom and then it says uh video input and maybe one of them's not selected or okay there we go that's what it was bang bang alex alex what are you doing man you should be troubleshooting <laughs> you're the man uh donny brasco mate has got a question for you he says uh books and blog you suggest for learning well, the first book I ever read was a complete book of sports betting by Jack Moore that essentially turns handicapping upside down on its head where you don't look at players and teams. You just look at lines and you're looking for discrepancies in lines. So I love that. Another good book out there is Sharp Sports Betting by Stanford Wong. That's a classic and you learn a lot of the fundamentals there. One of the newer books that's out that's great, Matthew David Dow. Ed Miller, The Logic of Sports Betting, that's a great uh, that's a great book, too, that teaches you exactly how things work behind the scenes and what's uh, what's important, what to look, what's important in the sports betting business, what isn't. Um, those are three books that I would definitely start off with. Um, and blogs, I don't, um, you know, I'm, I'm not really doing a blog thing, but, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of great ones out there. Um, I just don't remember any at the moment. Yeah, no, that's all right. On, on the subject of line discrepancies, are there any, uh, I guess, pitfalls you can fall into when you're just comparing lines and betting that way? Because I'm sure there's always going to be one or two books that are outliers. But is that like just looking at that strategy simply and just betting on lines that are out from the the market? Is there what are some of the challenges? I guess with that. Yeah, so you know, a lot of people said, "Hey, Spanky, you know, I laid five and a half. The line closed six. I'm, I'm, I'm I got closing line value. I beat the close. I'm, I'm, you know." Will I make money long term? And the answer is no. Um, you know, just because you beat the close is not enough. You have to beat the closing line by enough to overcome the bookmaker's vigorish to be able to make money long term in this business. So you have to know what a half a point is worth. Obviously, in American football, it's um, you know, given that the scores happen in spurts of threes and sevens, it's a lot different than let's just say a basketball where you know it's all over the place. You know, there's just twos, threes, and you know, free throws. Uh, soccer, just just one goal at a time. Hockey, one goal at a time. So you want to know what these half goals are worth, half points are worth. And then you want to know how much to be able, once you figure that out, then you have to have, you you want to be able to, if you're going to place a bet, you want to make sure that that bet beats the closing line by enough to overcome the bookmaker's vig, then you'll make money long term. Yeah, no, good point, mate. Uh, Tyrus F has asked, how does pay work in your office? Are your main traders, Mike and Luke, on a salary plus commission or just commission? Yeah, you know, obviously, you know what I mean. When when anybody starts off um, as a trader, we put them just on on salary. Um, they got to pay their dues. They got to learn everything. They're not really um, so, and, and and they're actually they cost us money when you first come on. Um, then once you start learning the business and you understand how we operate and how we do our things, that's when you know you start getting a piece. And um, usually it takes a year or two. And then, you know, once you get that year in or two years in, and that's when, you know, our interests become aligned 
Um, and then you kind of shown yourself, you've, you've ran a whole season, you've ran, you've seen all the different seasons. And then of course you're able to, you know, realize the fruits of our labor or your labor and our labor together as a team. And then we're able to share in the profits. So def there's definitely a profit sharing element, but that doesn't kick in for anybody that comes in new. Yeah. Do, do you like to hire people that are completely new to sports betting or is there like certain backgrounds that you like in in because i mean i've heard lots of people that you from lots of people that hire people to trade for them that they sometimes want people that have got zero experience at all yeah exactly we don't want any you know biases coming in um you know i i don't um you know, if I'm hiring somebody as a junior trader, I, I kind of, you know, honestly, the people we look for don't even have sports betting experience. They don't even know sports. They might have just heard it in passing. Those are the people that usually succeed, um, you know, uh, from what I've seen. Um, you know, sure. Well, we'll you know, because you got to understand most of the people that bet, they kind of want to turn themselves from a loser to a winner. Um and, and then, you know, but that degenerate bug is already set in kind of, so yeah. we kind of don't want that. You know what I mean? Once you, once you're, if you have that gambling bug, we don't want you in our business. You know, there could be a conflict of interest. You know, we might be going out on a game minus five when we're trying to bet $150,000 on it, but you're over there trying to bet, you know, $300 on your own private account. We don't really mess with that. Um, we want to make sure that everything is for the business and, um, and everything is done with the intent to try to bring the business to a different level. So, um, you know, in general, again, there's always exceptions, but in general, we don't look anybody that, you know, we don't look for anybody that has a background in sports betting at all. Cool. Uh, have you ever considered opening your own sports book? Oh yeah. You know, years and years ago before I got married with kids and everything, you know, I was always tempted. I mean, I said, maybe I could go down to Costa Rica and I could open up and, you know, and, and do that. And you know what, uh, th that, that time has now come and gone, um, you know, and, uh, you know, th those days are gone. This is, this is the life I've chosen. This is what it is. Um, I bet sports for a living. It sounds glamorous. It sounds exciting, but, um, you know, it, it's tough. It's a tough business. It's, it's very tough to, to, to be able to prosper in this business and to do it well. I still love it. Don't get me wrong, but it's not easy. Just like any other job that if you, you know, it takes hard work, dedication, countless hours, and then you just get good at it. You know, we, we're not sitting here drinking beers, watching games all day. We're looking at numbers, analyzing things, trying to make our systems faster, our processes faster, our connections more established, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's, it's a tough business, whether both on the bookmaking side and the betting side, it's, um, I'm, you know, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a hard earn, but, um, it, once you love it and this is all, you know, this is all I know, um, you know, I wouldn't think of ever doing anything else. Yeah. I know, I know this is a little bit off topic, but how have you developed psychologically over the years and like dealing with wins and losses? Has it, was there a certain point over the last 20 or so years where it just became, you almost became numb to results or is it, I mean, do you still kind of feel the wins and losses? No, you know, so when I first started building my bankroll, I was doing arbitrage, middling and scalping and stuff. So I really tried to avoid losses at all costs. Um, you know, and then I started building a family up. So, I, you know, I, I did not want to mess with losses. Um, I would sacrifice expected value. I'd sacrifice my return in order to minimize my risk. Um, you know, I used to work on in, in New York on Wall Street. I'd have to travel on a bus every day, go back and forth. The last thing I wanted to do is call myself a professional gambler, then go busto, go tapioca, and then be tapped out and then have to go back and work for the man. So I don't want to do that. Um, so you slowly, slowly build your bankroll. And I'm at a point right now, you know, you know, God bless, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, thank God for this, but I'm able to, you know, to bet and, and, and it won't really affect my, my lifestyle or my earn, you know, it won't affect my life on, on, on the amount of money I bet. I've built my bankroll enough now where it's kind of, um, you know, uh, the swings don't affect me in any way. I don't, I yeah. don't even, doesn't, I don't even look at it to be honest. Yeah, no, good answer. Uh, Terry Balea says, obviously Spanky has his own personal odds screen that he has built, but I'm curious, what does he think about Pinnacle disappearing off the Don Best screen? Terry Balea, otherwise known as Hulk Hogan. Great question, Terry. Um, <laughs> you know, I, uh, you know, yeah, I have my own odds screen and I, you know, we have our own internal softwares like that. Um, you know, Pinnacle now, I think Chris is pretty choppy on the Don Best. So, you know, that's it. You know what I mean? That's, you know, guys now, we're going back 20 years. Uh, bookmakers now have to actually book. Um, because if you don't have a Pinnacle and Chris, you're going to have to move. And what we're seeing right now is the discrepancies are insane. 
um, they're back when, when I first started. So when people don't know how to cut, the, the, the funny thing is, is that I see several offshore bookmakers and a couple other bookmakers still today, um, even with Pinnacle gone off the Don Best or not live, they still have the Pinnacle number because they see a stale Pinnacle number thinking it's live. So I don't think it's kicked in yet. Um, but that's just how the business is. The people, if, if you're going to, if you're going to uh, copy other bookmakers and not chart your own work, then, you know, you're going to pay the piper. And, and, and now I think there's a, there's going to be a call for talent to be able to come both in the offshore world and, and in Vegas and everywhere to say, listen, you know, uh, Pinnacle and Chris, it's great, but, uh, um, I need to be able to run my own numbers and chart my own work and move off my action, just like they've done for decades and decades beforehand. So I, I think it's going to be, it's an exciting time. And, um, I think it's a very going to be a lucrative time, um, for people that are, that are keen to have a keen eye. Yeah. Um, Jacob here asks, which tools are you, I believe he's referring more to modeling, which I don't think you do too much of. Um, but yeah, do you use any of these like Python, R, TensorFlow, um, or is it possible to make effective models with Excel? Yeah. You know, I, I think in any programming, you can make models in anything. You know, if you know the language well enough, you can make a model with any language. The language is, um, is, is, is just a tool. Um, the most, you know, a lot of people think, oh, as long as if I know the language, I can build a model. No, languages are just a tool you use. To build the right models, you have to have the right thoughts. You have to have the right pro the right algorithm. You have to know what questions to ask, and you have to know how to tell the computer how to solve that problem So uh, and how to answer those questions. And telling the computer, whether that be in R, Python, Java, Excel, whatever it is, um, some might be easier than others, but they can all, you could always program the computer to answer all these questions um, with any language. Um, the, the key is, of course, asking the right questions. Yeah, well said. And and you don't do too much, too much modeling yourself. Do I mean I know, I know that you've done it in the past, but maybe yeah, just highlight some of the the challenges that you you came across with modeling. Sure, you know modeling is is, is tough. It's it's not um you know I had a baseball model was winning for a while until it didn't, and um it's hard you know I, I, and I realized I said to myself I'm like okay I could build this model, and um it's it's good and, and then the edge is soon going to be realized and I got to be on top of it on top of it, um and it's for one sport so then and then what happens then um you know when, when that sport is not in session I gotta I gotta earn still so it just it didn't make sense for me for what I was doing, um it's hard enough to be good at one sport let alone own uh, multiple sports when it comes to modeling you know what i mean I, it's rare you're going to find an expert uh, college basketball better an expert nfl better an expert nba better an expert uh, hockey better and they're all rolled up into one person that's very very difficult it doesn't really exist um there's usually guys that's guys that are expert in one field or the other um however using my process the top-down approach where i'm just looking for discrepancies i'm using speed and technology um I essentially have these experts working for me because I see where the lines are going. I follow those lines and I'm able to get the best price, sometimes even better prices than the guys that are betting these things. So it, it, it all comes down to price. Um, you know, the process is, is you build the model, you try to find the right number, and then you have to bet. Um, I'm not a professional handicapper. I'm a professional sports better. Big difference. I don't make numbers. I bet numbers. And when I bet the number, best believe I'm going to beat the closing line. And that's the key thing. If I beat the closing line, I'm going to win. So I cut out the fat. I cut out the beginning process because I don't need it. I've mastered, and my staff and I have mastered the, the process of knowing where the line is going to go. Once you have that worked out, then the rest is, is just, you know, it's, it's just beautiful. There are obviously people out there that don't believe in the closing line theory that if you beat you know if you beat the closing line over yeah. large samples that you'll be a winning sports better. Uh, how do you how do you deal with those kind of like how do you get into conversation with those people and do you think there's any anything at all to that argument? Well, I made a whole podcast. That's going to be an hour conversation. I have a couple, my, my, my podcast is called Be Better Better. One of my episodes was Closing Line Value, the importance of closing line value. I invite anybody, you know, I invite anybody to listen to that episode and, um, you know, I kind of break everything down. I think uh, I've gotten a lot of good reviews on that episode. Um, so I, you know, I think that's the best way to answer that. I, I'm a firm yeah. believer in closing line value. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more, mate. Um, Ty Woods, oh, actually, sorry, I've missed this one from Thomas Stevens, kind of along the lines of what we talked about earlier with the the Don Best 
screen, but I guess the question is: Do you are there any other viable odd screens for professional betters? Sorry, or is it just best to build your own? Um, you know, I, not that I know of. There are no. You know what I mean? I, I've had my own screen for years, and um, this is what I use. Um, I never see a lot a lot of pros right now. Um, you know, that, that, that like to look at a screen, bookmakers and betters alike, they kind of feel crippled. They, and I never want, you, you know, in any business, no matter what you do, you never want to rely on a service or rely on one person to cripple your business. If you, if you, re, if, if you, whenever you're building any type of business, when you rely on that one thing, and if that thing goes away, um, then, and you're toast, then you're not right. You know, you, you took it the wrong way. You kind of developed your own way. Now, if A, B, C, and D go away and then you're toast, that's a different story, but you never want to rely on just A. So, um, you know, I never, and I always knew this day, you know, the, the, you know, Don Best would go down all the time and everything like that. So I, I knew those, the, the days were, were there and I always thought I'm like, no, 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 I have to, I have to build this thing myself so that I could see these numbers and not, you know, not be, um, prone and 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 and, uh and uh to be able to depend on 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 somebody else telling me what the odds are you know so i think it's very important to to do it ourselves and you know like i said i think i tweeted this the other day one day i will i I may put my odd screen out there um for consumption you know it's not going to be cheap um i don't know about it yet i'm still thinking about it but eventually if i do do so um you know i'll definitely put it out there and um you know it's gonna it'll be pretty sick so but I, I, you know, I earn, I earn enough not having it out there, and especially now with no Chris and Pinnacle. If I'm the only one that sees a live Chris and Pinnacle, you know what I mean? There's, that's worth a lot of money. So why, why should I share that with the world? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, uh, Ty Woods here says, uh, what is your average unit size or advice on building a consistent yet effective bankroll? Building a consistent bankroll, I think, Alex, the key thing, like, I started with middling and scalping. You know, a lot of people says, oh, man, I got plus EV. I want to have the highest EV possible. No, you don't want to have the highest EV possible. Um, what you want to do is you want to have the lowest risk possible because you, the most important thing in this business that people don't, for, that, that not too many people talk about is risk. You know, just because you have a great edge doesn't matter because you could still go busto having a great edge. You know, if somebody gave you plus 05 on a coin flip um, for a million bucks, and you're like, I'm getting plus 05. I got to take it. But if you lose your million, are you okay with losing that million? You know, so you got to think about it. Yeah, there, there, There's that number where you have to have your unit size and your bet size that it won't affect you in any way, in any, in any part of your life. And that's the most important thing. Finding the edges is one thing, but making sure that you're only betting to, that it doesn't affect your life in any way, shape, or form. Um, I think that's the most beautiful, that, that's the most important thing. And, um, and, and, and I, I can't stress that enough. I, I've seen some of the best. I've seen pros go bust because not only if they overestimate their edge, but they just overbet their edge and, um, and they just ran to a little bit of bad luck and, you know, all of a sudden they're, they're broke. So, um, it's be very, very careful on maximizing expected value. I, I, I think that even more, more important is minimizing risk. Yeah, do you, are you trading out of a lot of positions now, or do you just use straight plus EV betting? You know, maybe using the Kelly criterion or something like that. No, we don't use the Kelly. What we do is, you know, we'll definitely if we'll we'll trade out of positions if we feel the line has overmoved. Um, and a lot of the times, you know, there's lines that overmove all the time. If we feel there's value on both sides of the game, by all means, we'll do that. Um, you know, again, we're always trying to beat the closing line. Perfect example in a college basketball game. If I go over 142, the line goes to 147. I go under 147, but it closes 144 and a half. You know, the over and the under are great pieces. Um, you know, just because there's no such thing as a sharp side. It's a sharp side corresponds to a sharp side with a sharp number. So, you know, you, a lot of people say, oh, no, you're giving, you know, you're, you, there's only one sharp side. No, if you get the right number, you can have both sharp sides. Um, and that's just, again, it's a skill that takes years and years to develop, knowing when the market has peaked, knowing when the market's at the bottom, you know, to try to get the the, 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 the valleys and, 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 and the mountains there on the top. Um, and you're trying to be able to maximize as much of that as possible to beat the closing line on both ends if you're doing middling or if, 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 if you don't think the line will move enough, then to be able to make sure you get in on a price that you're beating enough uh, to, to overcome the bookmaker's vig, like I said before. Yeah, and I'm assuming you have a huge influence on the market too. So 
in games that you do bet, you're probably moving the closing line to support yourself in a way. So how do you, um, I guess, how do you like dissect from creating your own closing line value and actually getting true closing line value that it wasn't just created by you? Great question. You know, it, it's hard to dissect that, but the thing is, is that, um, you know, in, in this day and age, um, you could just bet one or two places and then the whole world moves, you know, to, so to be able to manipulate manipulation and, and to be able to just make things happen, um, you know, the magician's wand was, was a lot harder to execute. Now it's pretty easy. And, and, but now, you know, everything, it, it, the, the business changes, um, all the time. So I don't know if it's going to still remain easy, but you just, you know, it, it's tough, but you know, eventually that closing line, even if we do manufacture it, um, there's, you always got to assume the market's efficient. So if we manufacture it and if somebody sees some inefficiencies there or some, somebody sees value in a manufactured closing line, they'll knock it right back down to reality. So, um, you know, I, I truly believe that, you know, you, you have to believe to some extent that that closing line is the true market line or is the true, you know, probability or at least close to it of, of, of you know, one team winning or the other. So, Yeah. Uh, Florian Doorman says, do you think there will be betting exchanges in the U S? Um, I don't know. You know, I know my Alex Kane at sports trade, um, is doing one in Jersey. Um, I, I know I I've heard of it. You know, I I've dealt with exchanges. Matchbook was a, an exchange that I've played with for years and years. And, um, you know, in matchbook was a worldwide exchange and there were still oftentimes liquidity issues. Um, for somebody seeding the exchange, the only way an exchange would ever succeed is if somebody seeds it. And if somebody seeds it, they're going to be vulnerable to guys like me that'll snipe the shit out of them and be able to get that, you know, get, the, you know, catch them with their pants down. Um, so, you know, you got to be careful. Um, I, I think liquidity is going to be the biggest, biggest obstacle for exchanges. I think, I, I think having an exchange intrastate when it's just within one state, I think it's not going to work. I think it has to be interstate, national, on a national level. And even then, you know what I mean? I just don't know. Um, so, you know, I'm not an expert in this field. I just know that the, the exchanges that I've played in in my career, Betfair, Man Mansion Exchange back in the day, which was seeded by the guys that ran Mansion, which was, you know, that's a completely different story, but, you know, you'll never find that again. But, um, and, and Matchbook. And Matchbook at times was often great, but there were also times in which it wasn't so great. So it's, it's all about who's behind it and who's putting the money behind it. Yeah. Uh, Lewis here says, where do you bet? Which I assume the answer is a lot of different places. But uh, he says, what shops are accepting 150000 bro? <laughs> yeah, you know, not too many shops, if any, um, except... Um, no, I don't think any shops accept 150 dimes um, in one shop. No, but, um, you know, this is all aggregated. So, uh, there, you know, if we're betting a nickel at a dime at a time, we have thousands of accounts and all that stuff. When we're able to send our robots out to bet all these accounts, all these all these numbers add up. And we have different, you know, when, when we send our robots out, the, the, you know, that, that order could be going to a basement in Macau, China. It could be going to a guy sitting, uh, you know, at a casino and, and off in Never Neverland, you, you, you know, and all this stuff just adds up. So it's not just in one place. Um, but, um, you know, it, it, that's why networking is a very uh, important part of this business, to be able to have that vast network, to be able to get down, to be able to shop around for prices, get down as much as possible and as fast as possible. That's the key once you get to a certain level. Yeah, would you say that's like your biggest edge because you've got, you know, like you just said, thousands of outs. It basically means you're guaranteed to get the best number every single time, even if it's not even a great bet. At least you're always going to get the best number. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, so it, it is. And, and this doesn't happen overnight um, to get thousands of outs and to have betting partners and guys, you know, I mean, I had to build my reputation. People had to know me and I don't, I never sold the thing. I never sold picks. I never touted. I never did any of that stuff. And up until three years ago, the only people that knew about me were guys that were in the industry, the guys that in the know. So this whole social media thing, sure. It opened up a little bit of a, 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 a door for me but you know i've been i've been able to get down um outside of the social media world for a very long time and you know i i, I travel around um I, I go to a lot of dinners i make a lot of friends um and um 
you know, I think people know that I'm, I'm anybody that deals with me or that I do business with um, know that I'm, I'm, I'm a nice guy and I'm honorable. You know, I always pay on time and I'm honorable and I, I, I uh, you know, they always say pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. I'm not a hog at all. I, uh, you know, I just try to just do do good by everybody, do right by everybody, treat others the way they want to be treated. And, um, and then, you know, the money eventually comes. Ryan C says, have you ever worked with Billy Walters? No, I never worked with Billy directly. Um, indirectly, absolutely, which is the best way to do it. Um, to work with uh, somebody like Billy directly, you know, Billy would, let's just say Billy, just to give you an example of how it would work. Billy might send an order out to, you know, to, you know, his top, top guys, and he would expect twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 on a college football game, let's just say. But those top, top guys, they need help getting, filling that order for 40000 So they would come to me and say, hey, listen, can you help me out? You know, this is for Billy. And I'm like, you know, just get me a dime or two. So that's great. You know what I mean? So I become their betting partner and I'll keep, you know, let's say I get down 40000 myself. I'll keep 38000 say, okay, you know, I got you too. And I think 38, you know what I mean? So, but if you're working with Billy, you know, you best believe that's not going to happen. He ain't going to give you, he's not going to give you the information and, and you're sharing 2000 with him. Um, so that's the thing. So you kind of, you, you, you always don't want to be once or two, two removed. You might get the information uh, a couple of seconds later, maybe a couple of minutes later, but you get to keep more. Um, and that's the thing, you know, you, you want to maximize um, the amount you get, you get down and the amount you keep. So, um, you know, uh, but Billy is, as um, I know a lot of people that work for Billy and, um, you know, he, he's a legend in the business, um, easily, you know, one of the best sports betters that ever have been in the business. So there's no, there's nothing, uh, nobody could, uh, question that. Yeah, well, I mean, the next question from Ty Woods is who do you consider the best sports better ever in the world? And, and I listened to you on the Circles Off podcast talk a lot about Billy Walters and what you what you liked about him. And I, I really I really rate what you said about the meeting of the minds. I think that's just a, a great way to go. It's it's almost like how the closing, like why beating the closing line is so effective because effective, sorry, because the the closing line is the ultimate meeting of all the minds to come up with a price. hundred so percent. That, that's Walton. what. That's what. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, Alex. I don't mean to cut you. Exactly. That's exactly what Billy did. You you made a great point there. Um, you know, Billy would have five six handicappers for a given sport, and um, and he would look for a consensus. And when he got a consensus, he knew that that was a side, you know what I mean? And then he would go all out. If there was any opposition between, you know, handicapper A, handicapper A, B, C, D had no opinion, but E and F were opposite each other, he would just, you know, connect E and F, cross them, and not take anything for himself. So he would just, you know, you know E and F would have their positions, but Billy wouldn't have any for himself. But if E and F both agreed and A, B, C, and D had no opinion, then he would go nuts. And if A, E and F agreed, he would go even more nuts. God will, God forbid, if A through F all like the same side, you know, uh, then he would just go bonkers. So, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, you know, you, 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 the key in this business is, you know, a lot of people want to be the smartest guy and they want to be the smartest person, but in any type of business, I always look like, I don't want to be the smartest. I want to surround myself with the smartest. And if I, if I surround myself with the smartest, um, and I get that information, um, then I'd be able to, to use it effectively. And Billy was such an expert is that he surrounded himself with the smartest, but those smart guys didn't communicate with each other. So A didn't know B, B didn't know C, C, you know what I mean? But he knew all of them. So he got it all, you know what I mean? And everybody was yeah. kept happy. And, um, but, you know, obviously when, when you put yourself in that situation um, and that's the winning formula, that's the formula I always strive for. Yeah, it would have been superb to be a fly on the wall and uh, back in his yeah. day. <laughs> have yeah, you ever right. come across uh, someone like Tony Bloom? Someone's just mentioned here Tony Bloom has to be up there with the best ever. Oh, or yeah. Maybe like a come... Matthew Benham or something like that. Yeah, Tony Bloom, when it comes to European sports, definitely, you know, with soccer and um, and, and soccer, he, he is the best. You know what I mean? I'm, when I said best sports, better ever when it comes to U.S. sports. But when it comes to soccer, you know, Tony Bloom, the lizard, is is is, is the best of the best. You know, epic, you know, the, the, the stories you hear and the legends. And I know a couple of guys that used to work for the guy, and he's, he's, he's the best of the best. Um, these guys are, are – um, unmatched you know what i mean I, i'm i'm a drop in a bucket with these uh, compared to these guys i'm just you know what i mean i'm i'm not i'm just i'm over here man trying to support my family do my thing you know yeah. what i mean that's it these guys are on a different level but when it when it gets to that level though it, it it almost becomes more than just tony because i mean tony bloom can't control like everyone in his syndicate i assume because he's got hundreds of employees so then like how 
how much of the the credit goes to him rather than his employee? I don't know how much you would know about these kind of guys with the huge stuff. Yeah, good question. I don't know anything really, to be honest. I, the one thing I do know is that, you know, again, he, he surrounds himself with good people, and that's the key in everything. Um, you know what I mean? You want to work f- for the Lizard, you best believe you better know your shit inside out and then some. <laughs> So that's it. Like th- that's how it comes down to, it. and he's and and he wants a top, and, and and to get to the top, and and you know to to get to that, you know people would, would take a pay cut just to work for him, just to learn from him, and and learn because you know you're not going to just be working for him. You're going to be surrounded with other top guys, and you're going to learn from them. And from what I understand, he takes care of everybody pretty well. So, um, you know, he he's um you know one of the best in the business, definitely. Mm. Uh, Taurus F says, is a lot of what you do at this day and age moving for the bigger syndicates? Do you still, you obviously still trade for yourself and make money, but probably little to none have the connections and accounts that you have. Yeah. When you say moving, I don't, you know, a, a, a lot of these guys get me their numbers. They tell me what they like and you know what I mean? There's no moving. I, 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 if I, you know, we're betting partners. So if, if, if one guy, I, you know, if I could help, uh, we, we try to help each other. Um, there's guys which listen, can you get me this plus six or so we're, we're, you know, it's not, um, it's an information exchange and we're trying, you know, a lot of the guys out there, like, you know, like I said, I try to put myself, uh, again, I never want to compare myself to Billy Walters. I could never compare to somebody as great as Billy Walters. But again, the, the whole formula is, is I'm trying to get as many guys as possible that c- could give me their numbers or give me what they like. And, um, and then I could then u- utilize that information and, and, and to, to, to be able to then move forward and act accordingly. So, so that's, I think that's, that's for me, the winning formula. I could never, you know, be, be, uh, 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 um, I never aspire to be one of those, you know, you, you got to take the right, you got to take, choose your path. Um, I never wanted to be one of those movers or modelers where I'm just making those numbers and I'm trying to find, I, I always said to myself, the biggest thing for me is to be able to get down. If I master getting down, um, and I'm getting down quietly, effectively for a lot of money, then everything will come to me because in, you know, everything has to you could be the best handicapper in the world you have the best model in the world if you can't bet it's worth shit right you can't get down so you know but but i could have zero models i could i couldn't handicap myself out of a paper bag i don't nothing but if i'm able to get down everything comes through me anyway you see what i'm saying so i'm seeing everything so the key thing is to again it's not knowing what to bet because um, what to bet eventually is going to, you're going to figure it out. Um, it's where to bet, how to bet. That's when you get to that different level of a sports better's career, because if you're just thinking about what to bet, um, and you're like, okay, man, look, I know I, I were able to beat this. I designed this model within a few short months, uh, just a short time, you're going to be limited. You're going to be like, oh, shit, I'm kicked out of this place, this place, and this place. And then now what? You're sitting there with your dick in your hand. You don't know what to do. So you got to figure out how to get down. And then, you know, so that's why anybody that's aspiring to be a pro, semi-pro, that wants to take this to a different level, think about this now. Don't think about winning. Um, You know, I know you're, you know, man, you feel good about winning. Think about how am I going to be able to build this network? Sure, you got to first prove that you could win, fine. But you're going to, it's something to think about. I'm not trying to say do it actively, but think about how I can then build a network, how I can, I'm able to get down enough to be able to satisfy my appetite and to be able to have that longevity that to be able to sustain in this industry. Because as you know, Alex, this industry is very, very, very uh, unfavorable to the pro sports better. It's not welcoming. So, um, so it's a cat and mouse game that you constantly have to play. And, um, and once you master playing that um then you know you'll reap the rewards yeah no it's well said mate it's uh i guess when you get to a certain level you just you realize that it's more than just being a good sports better like the hardest part is is getting accounts keeping accounts all the it's almost that's the dirty side of it (laughs) that's everything that's everything yeah um mate what percentage of your bets are on one side compared to betting both sides like you kind of mentioned before I, I don't really know the percentages wise, to be honest. Um, you know, like I said, if a line over moves, if we feel there's value on, on, 
on 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 buying back or if we want to limit our exposure um because um you know it all depends so i i, I really haven't run numbers like that but there are times in which we'll we, we, to stay long in a position and there are times on an overmove scenario to buy back in a position um, and that's just me. Some people just like to stay long all the time. Great. Some people like to buy back everything. Great. To each his own. Um, everything for us is just based on closing line. If we beat the closing line, that's what we're focused on. Uh, Donny Brasco, last year after lockdown, when everything stopped, did you try bet esports and did you see it as valuable? No, I, I, I didn't. Um, I have, my prop guy does some of that stuff. Um, so we have a prop guy, a prop department kind of thing. Then, and he does all that esports and all that other off the wall shit. We don't really mess with it. Um, you know, it's just, the limits are not high enough, but you know, with, with, again, with the number of accounts I have, it is, it could be, it could be worth it. So uh, my prop guy does it and, um, I can't comment on it. I just, you know what I mean? He, he has access to my outs, he bets and, um, you know what I mean? We make money together and that's it. I don't even know what he's betting half the time. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I don't even look at it to be honest. Yeah. Uh, big Irish potato. Great name there. He says, do you know a Vegas sports better named McNasty? And he also asked, what's your favorite sport to bet on? I, I, I don't know McNasty at all. Um, I like the McRib when it comes back in McDonald's every now and again. But <laughs> I don't know McNasty. My favorite sport to bet on easily is college basketball. Um, college basketball is one of those sports in which, you know, there's hundreds of games that get played in a week, maybe 200 games. Three, you know, I don't know what it is, but if you, when you have 200 games in a week and you have a season that lasts from November through March, um, you realize um, your edge pretty damn fast and you kind of know if you got this thing down pat. Whereas NFL, you know, what is it, 15 games a week or whatever it is, um, and it's only 16 weeks. So you can, you know, if somebody that tells me they've had a good one, two, three, four NFL seasons, um, that's, you know, it's still sometimes, I, I don't think it's still enough um, of a winning to, to prove that you have a winning uh, track record. But if you have one winning college basketball season, and if you bet a lot in that college basketball season daily, um, that's, that's, that's a pretty good indicator in my mind that um, you got this thing down pat because the sample size and the, the actual number of games is just so high that your earn is, is realized fast. Yeah. Do, do you watch any sports yourself, mate? Is there any like sport that you just love to sit down and watch or is it just, is it just all numbers for you? No, I don't, I don't, you know, I used to, you know, uh, not really, man. You know what I mean? If I'm at a bar with some friends and they're watching a the game, sure. But I don't, it's just, it's one of those things in which I, I don't like to sweat on games. I don't like any of that. Like I, I, you know, I like pro wrestling a little bit. You know, I, I grew up watching pro wrestling. That's, that's something that I enjoy. Um, and I, I still haven't watched that in a long time too. So it's, um, you know, I, it's just not my thing. I, um, you know, and, uh, you know, there was one guy just the other day told me, you know, how could you be a pro sports better and you don't watch sports? And, you know, a lot of people think that's surprising, which I think is insane. Um, it's like the green lumber fallacy, you know what I mean? You just don't, you know, it's, it's, in, you know, ha, ha. Like just because um, you know you know the green lumber fallacy, right? You've heard of that, Alex? Or no, I haven't. Sorry, mate. So the green, so green lumber fallacy. The guy was trading green lumber, um, and uh, you know he he made multi millions of dollars on it, and um, and he didn't even know what green lumber was. He thought it was wood that was painted green, um, but it's actually it's actually fresh cut wood, um, and he made millions on it, and he didn't even know what the hell he was trading. So it's like th that whole thing in which you don't have to know anything about it. You just have to know what the numbers are and what the right price is. Um, the underlying asset it doesn't matter if it's green lumber if it's the yankees if it's you know the, the vikings whatever it is as long as the, you know you know where the price is going you beat the closing line that's the most important thing yeah um lewis asked do you ever bet in other people's names or accounts or do you simply ask them to stake themselves to does the banks never suspect so much money being moved to your account Okay, so we never, you know, when you say we're betting in other people's names, everything, 99.9% .9 of the uh, the bets that we place are in credit accounts. They're in offshore sportsbooks and credit accounts that don't have names attached. Um, I'm not playing in anybody's DraftKings or FanDuel account that has a name. I'm not doing that domestically. Um, there's, you know, uh, uh, these are regulated sportsbooks. That's not my thing. But if there's um, if there's unregulated sportsbooks located offshore, these are the outs that we bet into. Um, where you just have a website username and password and then the guy deals with the bookmaker and then that's it. So there's never any names involved and like that. I think that just, it's a misconception there that I hope yeah, that okay. just cleared up. 
Have you had problems using other people's names in regulated sports books? I've never used people's names. I, I would never sign up with somebody else's name. Um, everything is my name. You know what I mean? It's either me or Chinese Mike or whatever. It's like there's no um, there's no other names that I, that I'm using. Um, so, okay. Uh, Terry's back. He says, "Do you think NFL teasers has jumped the shark?" What What does "jump the shark" mean? I have no idea. <laughs> I was hoping you yeah. would know. Maybe we can get yeah. to, get to that later. Um, if you can clarify for us, Terry. Uh, Dan Abrams says, thanks for all your interviews with Philly area guys. Always good to hear them talking about betting on the Eagles. I have no idea what the Eagles are. Sorry, man. Eagles, the Eagles. Oh, the Eagles, okay. I guess, yeah. No problem, Dan. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Um, I've got a few questions for you myself, mate. I was going to ask uh, – if you guys prime accounts at all, like do you try and make your accounts look dumb? Maybe when you're opening a brand new account, make them look dumb, put a few uh, parlays on or anything like that, you know, bet on some basically just some negative EV stuff just to make them look a bit dumb and maybe the accounts will last a bit longer. Yes. So what we call the, the most, the, the most valuable account you could ever get is not one that we're priming, but is the one that is already a whale account. So we get it. We get guys that have been lifetime losers and that they've been losing, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions to their bookmaker. And then they cut and then they find us. So this is the best thing because now the bookmaker is like, okay, you know, he might have a winning week or two weeks, or he might be just getting lucky. So these, we call that flipping a whale. Um, or we tell, you know, we kind of turning the whale into a shark and, and you have to do that nice and slow. And, um, and that's when, you know, I, and I tell the guys, you know, these are very, this is not something we put on a robot. This is something that we, you know, we put on with kids, we, we use kid gloves and, and we really finesse these accounts. Um, we're trying to make sure that this thing goes as long as possible, undetected as possible. And, um, those are the accounts that, that, that are the best accounts in the world because, you know, the bookmaker never suspects it and, um, and, and, and getting those accounts are super, super valuable. They're hard to come by. Um, you know, I try not to run in circles of, you know, super losing betters, obviously, you know what I mean? But, um, if, if they do ever find me and, and, and I'm able to convert them, I'm happy to do so. And, and the ones that I have converted the several in my, um, in my tenure that I have converted are all very, very happy. And till this day, you know what I mean? We, we still have several monster, monster guys, um, that get us some good limits and, um, and the bookmaker, uh, is still keeping us there. So, so that's a great thing. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, you, you've talked a lot about, I mean, I think you did a podcast maybe two or three weeks ago against about, sorry, uh, I guess people stiffing people in the business. Is there any, any like legal action you can take against anyone who, who stiffed you or is it just maybe because you're doing some unregulated stuff that there's not much you can do? Yeah, you know, some people. There's a, a one of our one of my betting partners is a lawyer, and and he believes you could take legal action. I don't know, you know what I mean. I'm not a lawyer, so I can't really answer that. Um, my, my opinion is, is if I go to a judge and say, "Listen, betxyz.com, this guy, he's a bookmaker for this website, he is not paying me," the judge will, I would think, saying, "What the hell is that? That's not a regulated sports book. They're not licensed to operate here," and he'd probably throw it out. That's my opinion. So legal ramifications and all this stuff, no. You know, this is a business that is built on honor. It's built on handshakes. It's built on reputation. Um, you know, I've made million dollar deals on handshakes. That's just how it is in this business. Um, and 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 reputation is everything. You know, you get to a certain level in this business when people know that you're a good person so we do our due diligence with people that we deal with do we get burned absolutely we'll, we'll, we'll always get burned that's just part of it both on, on on the illegal bookmaker side and for us too the better um we try to limit that as much as possible and um you know and, and we try to you know you got to build your reputation slowly and it took me a long long time for me, you know what I mean, to build my reputation, but, and there's other guys that, you know, you kind of get a feel for it and I'm still not good. You know, I, mean? I can have a five minute conversation and I probably could tell with, I would say 80 to 90% accuracy if this guy is legitimate or not, or if this guy is going to pay. 
but there's still, I'm still wrong, you know, one out of 10 times. And I, you know, we, we uh, uh, you know, we pay the pipe, you know, we pay the piper there and, and that's it. So um, you, you got to be careful, you know, keep the figures low. Um, and, and that's what we always do. You know, you start off building credibility slowly and slowly keep the figures low and, um, and also, you know, share, like, you know what I mean? There, there's other pros in the business that we'll share names with and I'll ask about them and they'll ask, you know, I'll ask about, Hey, you ever heard of this guy? Like this one guy asked me about McNasty. You know what I mean? I don't, I never heard of that guy, but I'm, I'm, I, there's a network that I have where I'm asking about this guy. You ever heard of this guy? So once we, you know, you kind of have that network where you say, you ever heard of this guy, tell me about him, any problems, what kind of numbers you're running with him. Um, and then that's it then, you know what I mean? That, that, that's when you kind of know, um, because in this business, if you don't know somebody, you always know somebody that knows somebody. It's pretty tight business. And, you know, once you get to the, to the top level, everybody knows everybody essentially. So, yeah. Uh, Terry has come back to clarify. He says, jump the shark, meaning a point where NFL teasers are so popular now and all over the place that they have declined from where they were once profitable years ago. You know, well, years ago, you could probably get even money on NFL teasers, six-point teasers. Then I went to minus 110. I think now it's minus 120, which is tough, you know what I mean? But there's still times, again, with the totals getting higher, um, it is getting harder, uh, Terry. So, you know what I mean? There's, you know, obviously a higher total. The numbers, are the numbers, uh, the higher the total, the the half a point on the side is worth less. Um, so, yes, um, I don't know about jumping a shark, uh, meaning that the, the value has, has deteriorated completely. There's definitely still value. It's all about what kind of juice you're laying to get these teasers. But there's definitely still value to be had. But you're right. It definitely isn't the same as it used to be. Uh, Tyrus has asked, if you have multiple outs with one bookmaker, do you ever hit one play in more than one account? Or do you put them all in different groups? Great question, Terry. So, Tyrus, sorry, Tyrus. So, sometimes people would give me a whole, like, a sheet of accounts. They'll give me 10 accounts with one bookmaker. Um, and they'll tell me to make it look like 10 different guys. So, we'll make it look like 10 different guys. We'll have 10 different IP addresses coming from 10 different parts of either the state or the country. And then we'll never duplicate a bet. We'll have different bets in different times and different everything. Everything will be different. So, it looks like 10 guys playing randomly. You know, again, it's a cat and mouse game. We're trying to disguise that we're the ones pulling the puppet strings in the background. Um, so, no, we would never want, because if I was a bookmaker, I would never want somebody to double, triple pot me at the same price. If I move the price by all means go ahead but you know again treat others the way you want to be treated um you know so i i don't want to hit, hit a bookmaker up for more than the one limit bet he's going to give me so whenever we get 10 accounts with one bookmaker um we're only going to bet with one of those accounts and then kind of round robin it to try to you know give action to all the accounts the bookmakers that book me directly um i only have one account with so you know what i mean the, the, you know the, the big names in a business um and they know they know you know i, we have, I have good relationships with them so um, you know, I, I'm not going to come in back door and risk ruining that relationship. Nice. I've got a question here that was uh, sent to me beforehand. Uh, it's from WA Sports Trader on Twitter. He says, what exactly is Spanky and his associate Chinese Mike looking for in prospective betting partners? Do they need to be a resident of a particular country or time zone? Uh, and if so, is this for ease of transferring money do they need to be available 24 7 he goes on to say that he's from australia so yeah yeah <laughs> you know what we're looking for we're looking for offshore credit accounts that's the key thing um why you know why do we need offshore credit accounts and why not post up accounts in australia listen all these post up accounts everywhere in europe australia um whenever people reach out to us from there um, let's face it. You know what I mean. I thought America was had had a low tolerance for sharp sports betting. Um, you know, Europe has invented that low tolerance, and Australia is is, is not much be, you know not much better. Although there's you know I guess there's minimums there or something, but it's tough. It's tough to last as a pro. Um, so you know we're looking for for credit outs. Um, and you find the right bookmaker to be able to let you bet. Um, it's just so hard. And I think in post-up outs, you know, it takes one or two bets um, to be able to limit you. You know, there's a place here in parks and, and, and you know, I, I tweeted once that I was going to go check out the new casino, the new sports book at parks, uh, Philadelphia parks. And I just tweeted that I was coming. And then they sent me a letter saying you are banned from coming here <laughs> because you're, you're undesirable and not even step foot in the joint or place a bet. So, you know, if there's places that are limiting you, for not even placing a bet just based on reputation, 
um, you know, where you're, they hear your footsteps and they'll just shut, lock the door. It's tough. You know what I mean? So we have to look at credit accounts where the bookmaker kind of doesn't know who they're booking really. Um, and, um, and, and, and so forth. Yeah, I agree, Mr. Redskins. It's uh, that's just shocking. Uh, Lewis says, and, and I'll just give a quick warning to everyone: Spank will be around for five more minutes. So, uh, fire in your last-minute questions. Uh, Lewis has asked, "What books uh, are you using to bet with? Can we get examples? I want to bet with bigger stakes, but soft books like three, six, five don't cut it." So. Years ago, Bet365, we had a Bet365 account that was a, we flipped a whale. Um, and Bet365, if you're the right customer, it will cut it. Um, that's the thing. You got to find the right, you know, if, if, if you show any any um, aptitude for, for winning, Bet365 will definitely cut you. But if you had a lifetime uh, loser, um, if you showed that history of losing, Bet365 is a great grade out. Um, you just have to flip that whale. It's hard. And, yeah. you know, like Alex, you were saying, priming the account, you know, that's, that, that, that's something that, that there's a talent involved. You know, th 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 this is something I'm not going to, you know, just think about it. Like, you know, like, you know, we used to have a guy in Vegas and, um, at the Mirage and the Mirage w would give us, you know, on a, on a first five inning baseball bet, the limits were $500. But if the guy shot dice, you know, and, and took max odds and had less than a 1% uh, uh, disadvantage, um, he then would be able to get $20,000 on that first five inning bets because he proved to be a table player, table games player. So I think you want to kind of build a persona, build a profile of being a dummy, but at the same time, being, you know, knowing full well that you're sharp and, and you're going to try to have to, it's like, it's like, again, it's a cat and mouse game of fooling these bookmakers. Um, and it's not easy. They're not, they're, the bookmakers are not stupid. They are greedy, you know, and they want to be able to, to take as much as possible if they believe you can't win, but you have to show that you can't win first. Does that mean losing? No, that that's, you know, but if you flip a whale, if you have a loser come to me or come to you, and if you could think about how you could, that, that, that information is super, super valuable. Um, you know, I, whenever I, I see somebody that that's, that's betting, betting big and, and, and they're getting big, big limits, you know what I mean? I, I, I catch, you know, I catch a hard on, I get excited. I need, I want to be able to meet that guy and talk about how we could make this thing happen. Most of these guys, unfortunately, um, you know, they, they're, they think they're the, they're the best thing to stir, to since sliced bread. Um, they think they're God's gift of sports, but they don't understand that they might be winning or that it's temporary. They just want to be in action. Um, and they think that they have all the answers. Um, and it's sad because it's such a, a you know, then again, most of them that, that are betting this kind of money don't even give a shit about it. Money doesn't matter to them anyway. But it's sad because if they just took a step back and, and, and said, man, we could really play this for what it's worth and we can be able to get down big, big numbers and actually make money together, it would be a great thing. But, um, you know, again, those are very, very hard to come by. Yeah. Um, mate, we've only got a few more minutes. So maybe just uh, – I know you wanted to talk a little bit about – uh, bet bash that you've got coming up again which was a huge success the first time um and i think it'd be really cool to to talk a little bit about your your podcast too because it's uh, it's an incredible source of information for for people out there to to improve their sports betting thanks alex so my podcast is called be better betters um it's available where all podcasts are available um and i interview uh professional sports bettors bookmakers anybody that's in the gambling business um in the sports side and i i myself do uh, some rants from now and again uh 30 minutes to an hour rant where i talk about life as a professional better things that i encounter um you know it's a labor of love i have no sponsorships i'm not getting paid to do this but i enjoy doing it i've gotten a lot of good feedback from it a lot of pros like it a lot of amateurs like it so um give it a listen i don't i i know and um you know i never ask anybody to like or subscribe i always hear like and subscribe like and, you know i don't even know what that means <laughs> says it at the but, top of the screen <laughs> yeah exactly like subscribe i don't even know what that you know do whatever you got to do just to try to spread the word out there to make people also listen to it um if you have a positive review definitely leave it if you got a negative review keep it to yourself <laughs> um but uh, okay so let's talk about bet bash so Bet Bash is a sports, it's a gambling networking party that I started um, 
And, um, you know, I like to talk to people. I like to mingle and jingle and, and meet new people in the sports betting and gambling uh, uh, stratosphere here. And then, then uh, Bet Bash is going to be a party in Las Vegas. It's going to be a multi-day event during Final Four weekend, April 2nd through the 4th, 2022. Um, I invite everybody to go there. You can get tickets at betbash.co. There's going to be three open bars, cocktail parties. Um, there's going to be expert panels. There's going to be breakfasts with bookmakers and other bettors and speed networking events. We have this whole thing. Um, there might be other parts and other facets of gambling. Um, we're all planning it out. It's being hosted um, by the Circa Resort, um, which is the newest joint downtown Las Vegas. Beautiful, the best sports book in the world. The most biggest and beautiful sports book in the world. And they take on all comers, all action. Very friendly with the owner there, Derek Stevens, and, and the sports book director there, Matt Metcalf. And they've been nothing but helpful in uh, bringing Bet Bash to Las Vegas. So I'm really, really excited about this. Um, and I hope that some of your listeners, um, if they want to meet me or meet any other professionals or kind of, you know, bounce ideas off each other, um, Bet Bash is the place to go. So please, um, I welcome everybody to come on down um, next year. Awesome. It's so good of you to, uh, to, yeah, to create such events. And I'm sure people will, yeah, create some great networks like we've talked about on the on the show here today i've just posted a few of the links for everyone uh in the in the comments on youtube so yeah bet bash's website's there and i posted uh the twitter for spanky and uh his podcast be better better so yeah as always highly recommend to go and check out all the spanky stuff he's a yeah got a ton of knowledge alex listen man you're a great guy i really appreciate you inviting me on here <laughs> Um, it's, it's a, such a pleasure to deal with you. I know you've had a lot of other pros on and you've been doing this now for a while. You've got a polished podcast. I wish you nothing but success in any other podcasts you do or in your future betting career and everything. Um, you're a nice guy and, and I have nothing. And I'd love to meet you one day and have a drink with you, my friend. Thank you so much for having <laughs> me on. No, I, I concur, mate. Thank you very much for coming on. It's it's great to have a, you know, such an established name in the industry to come on the podcast. And yeah, if I'm ever let out of the prison over here in Australia, one day we'll uh, we'll catch up for a drink. Understood, brother. I'm looking forward to it, Alex. <laughs> All right, thanks everyone. Like uh, Spanky wants everyone to do, please like and subscribe to the channel. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll be back on the channel sometime soon with a live stream or some kind of podcast. But thanks everyone for tuning in and uh, we'll catch up soon. Thanks so much for the time. Until next time.